Hello everybody, my, this is the RSN Podcast, the RSN Wrestling Podcast. My name is Sal, the mastermind. We got the COO, Nick. What's going on, people? Also the owner of PWO, Pro Wrestling Opinion, the website. And also we got him on the other side, the big guy, Rich. What's up, guys? This is RSN right here. We're right here talking about factions. Let's jump right into it. So... When it comes to factions, there's a lot of names that come up, right? So we're thinking about there's so many different groups out there. But let me ask you guys, what do you think is really a faction? Is it a two-man group, a three-man group? And what really makes a faction something bigger? Well, I personally say a faction is at least four members or more in one group. And it all depends on dominance of the group, entertainment, how they perform together, if the fans react positive or negative, whether they heal or face. But nowadays in wrestling, the heels get a pop that the faces should be getting, and the faces get the pops that the heels should be getting. Nick, what do you say? Um, yeah, I mean, usually when I think of a faction, um... I usually say two is a tag team, three is a faction. So I would look at it as a as a as a group of three or more people. Um, sometimes factions derive from tag teams, you know, as we've seen in the past, uh, like D Generation X and the uh, NWO stemming from the Outsiders. So it's pretty easy to to take a faction out of a tag team, but the faction itself. You know, it's it's almost like a brand of sorts. Like they had their own message, their own mission objective, their own tagline, their own T-shirt. You know, it's something that represents the company, but in a way that's going against the company. You know, as kind of like a rebellion of sorts. Most of the factions that exist are in of themselves, you know, rebellious groups. Um, Right from the early days, uh, like you had the Four Horsemen, which were these legendary like rule breakers. Um, obviously, you had NWO, Degeneration X, which were rule breakers themselves. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to to say like all factions are the same, but they're not. If you really look at it, they all have different influences on the eras that they're a part of, and I actually think they probably helped the direction of that era, you know, whichever part that they came in. Even in the independence, you know, it's pretty easy to point out some groups that, you know, led to successes more than others. But, yeah, usually when I think of a faction, I'll immediately think of at least three or more people. Um, as, as little as three, as much as 40, maybe. Because uh, NWO was getting a little ridiculous there at one point. They have, yeah. what, like 50 yeah. members or something? Yeah, and that's something that also contributes to what a faction really is about. Because if you see, there's like uh, there's so many different people, so many different uh, uh, personalities that clash, and also, you know, they are on the same page. But that's what also makes the uh, good factions. But also, uh, let me ask you guys, do you guys think it's the story behind the faction or, the you know, the performance that they have in the ring that impacts what they're all about and their legacy. Because we've looked through all different kinds of uh, factions throughout the times in different, different companies, different, different eras, and some are more influential than others. 
So what do you guys think is the main source of, uh, you know, the big driving force of a faction and their influence and their impact on uh, their business, on their, their their promotion, and all the other stuff? Because if you think about it, Vince McMahon, he's not a very big fan of factions. So if you were to talk to Vince right now and try to pitch to him that we should have more factions, what would be your message to him? I think it's... Uh... I, don't, I, w I wouldn't say that Vince isn't a big fan of factions because um, the authority kind of dominated television last year and they were like a pretty full-on heel group. You know, you had Rollins, you had J&J Security, Big Show, Kane, Triple H, Stephanie. Um, they were dominating television for about maybe a year and a half and then they took like three months off and then they came back for another year and a half. So... Um, it's it's always kind of revolved around uh, a faction of sorts. Um, even yeah, before so you had the authority, you had the Shield. Um, the Wyatt family were around. You know, I would consider them factions because they're at least a team of three. Um, but then you could go back even further to the ministry, the corporate ministry, which Vince was a part of. Yeah, that too. That's an attitude error. I'm I'm talking like more like modern days. But if you notice, it, it always stems around a faction. Um, even even before like the Wyatt and the Shield, not too long before that you had let's say the Nexus. Before that you had La Familia. Before that Evolution. You kind of you kind of see what I'm saying? Like there's there's, there's always, always a faction some, that was on top. Yeah, there's always some form of presence of a faction involved in in storylines of some sort. You know, and then you have ones that are like completely terrible, <laughs> like, they, they never rock, last, yeah. you know. Now you have the social outcasts. Yeah, or, they're kind of like the, the, the 2016 version of the core, which ironically the Heat Slater was also a part of. And also, if you see, like, teams like uh, the Job Squad and the Attitude Era, you see them and you're like, okay, these are just a bunch of comedic guys that are just trying to put on performance. They're not here to actually wrestlers in the ring or do anything like that. They're just there to entertain. But then you can also go to another company, to TNA, where they have their faction with Matt Hardy brand. Which I, I, I love the Matt Hardy brand idea. Look, I, I wish it lasted a little bit longer. Um, I even think though I think good, Matt Hardy's like, like having, I think he's having a career year um, in TNA. And he's really making gold of whatever they give him. But I think I would have loved to see the Matt Hardy brand like last a lot longer than it actually did. Because I felt like it was like maybe like a month and a half, and it didn't really it get good. the. I thought but it was great, honestly. I just think that it was just thrown together literally last minute. Well, even if they, even if they did, it worked out really well because yeah. um you know I, I I think Matt Hardy like put in the work of his career. Um, then you had the second coming of the main event mafia. Yeah, um I, I think I like the first incarnation of the main event mafia. There's way too many factions in TNA history. That would be an episode of in of itself. Um but usually when I, I think of the more successful one, I would actually probably go with Main Event Mafia before they did all these rehashes of the front line and Fortune, Fortune and Immortal and I couldn't even I, I can't and even. Then, and know, then the amazing Aces and Eights. Oh my God! Don't even get me started on that. That was like a, that was like the baby uh, Bullet Club. 
But in a way, it was like what twenty memes or something. It seemed like basically NWO 2.0. And then well, every <laughs> week someone was getting kicked out. Yeah. Well, what about um? Uh, let's go way way back. Team Canada, AMW, America's Most Wanted. You know, like these, they 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 come. You know, they they comprised of like either four or five people of the same nationality, or it was like in AMW, AMW's case, America's Most Wanted. It was James Storm. And Chris Harris, and also on the side, Gail Kim. Would you guys? That was that was just a team with a valet. That was a tag team with a valet. But do you that's think that's not a that's not a faction? That's not a faction. What about uh, let's talk about WCW for example, Dangerous Alliance. They had uh, how if you see Paul Heyman's documentary where you know he's talking about his life and everything, he uh, he was actually crucial to making that alliance. Where oh, was speaking of ECW, the Dudley family. That's a and that's an example of a faction that stemmed from a tag team, but that was really awesome because it, it it was I think they were the best heels in history, honestly. Like if you watch if you yeah. go back and watch some of those promos like back in like ninety nine, ninety eight, they I mean I'd never seen a crowd more riled up and this is ECW, so they could really cross the line there. Like you had people like trying to step down from the balcony to fight Bubba Ray. I'd never seen that before. And I, I think I think that's like one of the best examples of like heel mic work. If if you're like a wrestler and you're in the business and you're trying to like really find a way to own the crowd, go back and watch those promos because that was gold. You know, it it genuinely seemed like people wanted to just fight the Dudleys, and you can't even blame them because it it was just it was really awesome. It's going back and and thinking of those promos. They were the best heels. They they know how to get history. under your skin. Yeah, that's when it comes down to. I think I'd say the the, the Bubba Ray and uh, uh, Devon can be a faction of in and of themselves. Like if you see right now in the main roster, they have such a presence right now, and everybody looks at them and they're really being booked very badly. <laughs> I'd say they're getting like the big show treatment, and it's kind of like you know you kind of see that and say, come on man, these guys have so much potential, but this. But if you look back at the big big promos, infamously, if you go back to Queens, I think it was a uh, some kind of uh, uh, some kind of I think it was like a bingo hall or some kind of small arena, something like that. These fans were rabid. They wanted to go ahead and kill these guys. Yeah, I, th- I think that was the uh, promo that I had seen. Um, yeah, and you had you literally had one guy climbing down from the balcony to try to try to fight this guy. Someone in the front row too. Although I don't know if, if there were plants or whatnot, but you know yeah. the rest of the. I mean, if you can get a crowd that angry, um, you know, it's, kudos to you because. Uh, like you can't even look at one night stand. Like just the crowd reaction when Orton came out, when Cena comes out. Even though like this doesn't have to do with factions, but the crowd makes the superstars. True. I mean, if you look back, um, even back in the day, they would have plans. What they would do is instead have the classic old uh, tale of that old lady in the front, somebody's grandmother, who just is getting in this person's face. Bubba Ray and you know Devon, they totally broke that by by entertaining and also getting heat, so much heat to the point that you know it was really crazy. And plus, it was something that was revolutionary. You've never seen any other factions do that. They would either stay back and act like they're all high and mighty, or they would just, you know, do their work in the ring. But that was, you know, that was pretty interesting. Because if you look back in time, the Four Horsemen, for example, 
they were comprised of so many different members. You look at Sting. Uh, he was also in there. And then, you know, when, once they started turning heel, they did their thing. And then next thing you know, you know, they, they acted like they were all high and mighty. For example, look at uh, Evolution, another big tag team. They acted like they were on top of the world. They, nobody could touch them, everything like that. They, they acted like they were on top. We, we got to remember, they did hold all the goals at one time. And do you think that's another factor that contributes to that? Does every person in the faction need to have a championship? I don't. I don't. I, I wouldn't say every. Not every person needs to hold a championship to it have a certain influence. More. But I think. I think it. It, it pushes the uh, group a little bit better if. Uh, if it does appear like they are, you know, dominating the company. Um, like an example would, would probably be of a faction that that didn't hold gold, but they. You know, they had a presence. I'd say that would probably be like the Nexus. You know, I, I, I don't recall them ever having championship gold, but they definitely had a presence. But I think it, it, it helps the faction get over a lot more. If, let's say, like, the leader is the world champion, kind of like you had it with Evolution. Um, and that actually sparked, like, the feud that came out after that. Um, yeah, there's lots of factors, definitely. Yeah, but it's, it's true. I mean, and, and it's, all, it's all important that not only the faction gets. Uh, you know, they get their own uh, influence. It's also the, the individual members, too. Because if you look, uh, we were talking earlier also about people that uh, get kicked out out of the factions. There's also an individual component, too. Because if if someone's a weak link, they'll take them out one to three. Or some kind of, like, storyline bullshit. Oh, the League of Nations. They kicked out uh, Barrett because he was the, quote-unquote, weak link. Most Even though, ironically, they were all weak links. Yeah, they were all one of the the, the worst tag teams, but God, that was terrible. Add in um uh, Spirit Squad. I actually don't remember how Spirit Squad broke up, but I heard it was. I, oh, I, I think they were all just written off TV. No, yeah, they were they were written off TV, but they were part of a skit where DX like took on them the out and and put them in dumpsters, and they the wrote bounty, on the they dumpster. Them off. You know, now delivering to Ohio Valley Wrestling OVW, which is basically the developmental territory where they came from in the first place. Um, yeah. but yeah, but, I was kind of magically only Dolph shows back up. Yeah, I was disappointed, which is amazing because um, Ken Dome, you know, Kenny Dykstra, which they gave him that lovely name for some reason. Um, I think he was like the shining gold jewel of the whole group at first. Like he was destined to be like the big star. When uh, Paul Heyman was running OVW, he he um, designed the main event program between Johnny Jeter and uh, Ken Doan. Uh, both of them are actually groups of uh, you know members of the Spirit Squad, but everything that the Spirit Squad was was everything that Heyman was not doing with them on OVW. He was using them for their abilities, their promo skills. Spirit Squad was kind of like a group of evil male cheerleaders. I mean, how, how ridiculous can it get? It's true. I mean, if also, in fact, uh, if you look way, way back, they had these other bullshit factions on the side, too. I mean, if you look back, for example, the Hard Foundation, we know them. They're the most influential team also. You look at uh, Nation of Domination, they're very influential. But then there's some pockets of shitty factions back in the day. You look at faction like, uh, let's see, uh, there was one with Earthquake and some other dude. I forgot his name. Uh, I was going to say Disciples of Apocalypse. That's one. There's oh, also man, that was horrible. Los Bariquas. That was they another just, bad one. They just feuded because I guess um, 
Puerto Ricans just don't like motorcycle gangs. I don't know. What about the what about the Quebecers? That was a tag team. But then, like when you see, like uh, you know, they had all these European counterparts and everything, and they tried to bring them into a group again. Oh, La Resistance. Another big. Oh God. Is... Remember them, Nick? I try not to. It seems like they're trying to, you know, push them into this, like, uh, you know, this category of okay, let's have the opposition be this, you know, arrogant uh, foreigner that does this. When in reality, that's just that's just all obsolete now. But the ironic thing is, that's what the whole Good Nations thing was about. That was basically like a 2016 version. Angry foreign heels. I mean, it's the most played out stereotypical gimmick. I wish they would like at least stay away from it for maybe like a year. Because there's plenty of ways to get a guy over besides having him build from a different country and oh I don't like America, you know, this and that. I th I think they should try a little bit harder to find ways to get guys over without, you know, pushing them as a stereotypical angry whole foreigner because every foreigner just seems to be angry. I don't know. Just because. Yeah, just because. I'm, I'm not a fan of that approach particularly. It only works with some guys, but not when every single guy does it. It, it plays out the gimmick. Like Rusev doing it is fine. Rusev, yeah, it works for Rusev, but um, you don't quite get the same effect with, like, let's say Wade Barrett or, you know, Sheamus. Because if you think about it, how did Rusev come into WWE as the Bulgarian brute who hated America? How about the un-Americans? What do you think about them? I kind of, I kind of like them because it was, it was a, it was kind of like a parody of Angry Hill Foreigners to an extent. It was kind of very tongue in cheek. That's what I, that, that's what I liked about it. And they, were, they, and they were they, all good too. Yeah, and you know they're pretty much they could wrestle obviously. They know if how I to could be serious for a minute. Promos. Yeah, I mean that, I think that was. That that's what I liked about them, because they were like a parody of foreign heels, but yet you could still take them seriously because they're pretty damn good in the ring. But my favorite one though is Lance Storm out of the group. If he could be serious for one minute. <laughs> oh, I love Lance Storm. Well, that's the thing. With uh, I mean, when you look at all the the types of people that they uh, involve in different factions, there's a purpose to them. But then there's some factions that they don't. Like, you know, there's no purpose. Like, uh, let's see. For example, they had uh, four. You, you remember the Misfits? Yeah. There were like four or five guys that were like, um, you know. They uh, remember the Oddities? Oddities, yeah, yeah. I think that's that what's them. And then they turned into like the Uncensor, something like that. The Right to Uncensor? Yeah. No, that was the Right to Censor. Right to Censor, yeah, yeah. Right to Censor. Because they were. Um, because they were. Uh, formed as a reaction to like moms against wrestling or or something like that like and then there is just kind of like this uh it only works on the attitude error because it was so edgy and, and so like off the cuff that you had this group running around just dressed in black and and uh, you know almost. like black and white suits and i actually think that was probably maybe stevie richards's uh career moment was when he was in that group because uh, a I lot know, of memorable. The BWO was pretty good that. for him. Huh? The BWO was pretty high up for him. 
It was too, but I, I think it, it kind of helped his image per se. Like when you had, uh, he got to reinvent himself. Val Venus too, to an extent, because when he joined the group, same thing with the Godfather. The you know, they, they they shed their um, attitude era gimmicks in to to you know rebel against the system by conforming to the system, which is which is what I love about the RTC. Um, but I mean, I don't, I don't think you would get that kind of faction in today's, you know, group. It would get nowhere near it. Yeah, it's, it's not as edgy, you know. Because it's but, already PG as it is. Yeah, well, let's say it's, it's, it's showing, starting to show signs of like maybe TV fourteen, like starting to creep back a little bit. But you know, it's not as PG as it once was. As it was getting, it was getting pretty unbearable at for a moment there. Yeah, but no yeah, I, I, I do think um, Right to Censor was one of those groups that kind of got to flourish in uh, multiple divisions. Like you had the women's division with Ivory, you had the tag team division with like Bobby Cannon and the other guy. Um, the name is slipping me. I'm not sure who he teamed with, but and then you have like the main guy, which is like Stevie Richards, even though he never really like got past the mid card. But he was pretty firm as the group's leader. Yeah, he was the leader of. Was I think he was the founding member of it. Yeah, yeah correct. Pretty sure. There's always I mean, that founding member. There's always that founding member of the faction, and that's that's I think what really uh, breaks out. But let's uh, switch gears and talk about like uh, recent recent uh, factions that they had, and the recent pairings that they're doing. Like let's talk about the Shield, who's was probably one of the biggest I'd say factions. In uh, today's time, hell, in recent years, and you look at, uh, for example, Nexus. If you look at Nexus, for example, they were built as to be these these uh, five or six young guys that were gonna break out and do some, you know, big stuff. They're gonna have world title pictures. They're gonna be champions and all this. And then certain people fell off. Certain people didn't go somewhere, you know, and they just totally flopped the whole thing. But when you look at Shield, you know, they they have three different stars. And you see them now, and they're each breaking out into their own thing. Do you guys feel like that? Do you feel like it's important for a faction to not only break up but actually have some kind of significance individually to do something? Because let's say, for example, if you have the Nexus reunite and the Shield reunite, which would be more meaningful? Do you guys think? Shield. Shield. Yeah, I think the obvious answer would be Shield. But I think you're just using two factions where one was per se like a success at the time, but not really long term against a group that was a success at the time and long term because each of the members, you know, now pretty much make up the main event scene and the card. But I think I think your argument would be a little bit better. Like let's say there were two groups kind of of the same stature. Um, like, if you would put, like, Nexus against Straight Edge Society, or uh, do, like, the Shield against, like, let's say the Wyatt family, um, I think it might have more of a, a closer argument, you know, if you're able to compare those two teams. But I don't think it would be fair to, to compare the Nexus to the Shield because they were part of two different eras, and, you know, one obviously did have success in the long run and the other one didn't. But well, Nexus is a is a funny group because that's what happens when you take a a, a team of of young guys. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever used to play the fantasy booking game called Extreme Warfare Revenge. Um, I did. It's, 
It's, yeah, it's basically like you, you've run WWE or ROH, and you know you book the shows, you you get your net, you get the show reviewed, you know by a quote unquote online source, and then they they rate your public image. You basically run the company, you know, you do the contracts and all that. So I, I think this was back in like 20, 2007, 2008, as I was booking ROH, and I had the idea of. Uh, even though the, I, I, I seen the name kind of, uh, I guess maybe ripped off WCW when they had the new blood, but I, I did this storyline of, you know, complete young rookies, like five or six of them, underneath, uh, uh, what was his name, Don Callis, I think, who's better known as Cyrus the Virus. He was kind of like oh, their wow, leader. Yeah, he was, he was kind of like their leader, and he was also my color commentator. So it was like you had a group of like five, six rookies, like just taking over the show. And then he had the heel commentator, like commentating on the show. I called them the, uh, the, I think they were either the, the new uprising or just simply the uprising. So, yeah, I, I felt like I, I kind of like booked the Nexus before the Nexus even came around. But, um, you know, I kind of, it's, it's a smart idea to get new guys over. You just band them together, throw them at the wall, see who sticks, see what doesn't work. As it's it's gonna propel someone to the top even faster, and then you could kind of weed out the ones who aren't making as big of a splash. But ironically enough, TNA then ripped it off because they had Taz join the Aces and Eights, and then he was commentating on the show. But you know. It's just kind of funny how you run ideas, you know, before you see it on the mainstream. But that's always just something I go back and think about because uh, I was doing that back in 2008. And that was like two years before Nexus became a thing. I was like, you know, that wouldn't be a bad idea to push this heel stable of like just complete rookies and just have them just dominate the show, beat up people, call out champions, you know, win belts, this and that. Where's your card of the where's your card of WWE fight? Yeah, and, you know, the Nexus kind of did that, um, but I felt like they they've, they dropped the ball on that one, at least, you know, because Wade Barrett had such a promising start. Um, he really did. And then you had, like, you know, Daniel Bryan, who seemed like he was going to finally branch out if he didn't get fired, but even though he came back, I felt like the Nexus didn't get their their shining moment other than the time that they like came onto the show and it was just like oh my god you know it's it's NXT season one everyone from NXT season one just turned here oh my god they're a group they just like ripped apart the the ringside area they took out the announce team they did Didn't everything Daniel Bryan choked someone out with his own tie yeah he, he choked fired. out um well, he didn't actually choke him, but he he was uh you know he wrapped the neck to uh, Justin Robert, the ring announcer at the time, who kind of came into notoriety as the guy who like outed um, the Connor the Crusher story. Um, but yeah, he he got strangled by his own necktie, and you know WWE just deemed it too um too crude at the time for their public image, so they got rid of him. Yeah, it was the uh, the the TV executive saying, "Oh, that's not good for TV because that's an intent of you're gonna hurt somebody, and you're not supposed to do that on live TV because there's kids watching." But that's that's really stupid because when you see something like that and these all kinds of things, like also if you bring up the SummerSlam uh, 2010, where there was a WWE 
faction comprised of all the top stars versus uh, the Nexus. And you see that, and they kind of go back and forth saying that it was a really stupid decision having them lose. And, you know, that's, and I think that's also another thing that, that we can also take into account, like the booking decision. But it also separates, uh, you know, these stars, like, for example, Nexus and the Shield. I'd say just the fact that they're young. And if you see now, recently, how the way they're booking the factions, they've actually improved it. Because now they're not just thinking about, okay, having one guy break out, where, like, for example, in, um, you know, you could talk basically any, like, for example, Spirit Squad, where they have one guy just break out and that's it. And then the rest were just shoved out of existence. Now they're actually pushing to have more stars become something, you know, individually. I mean, for example, if you look at right now the New Day, who knows what they'll be in the next few years. Individually, they have some kind of accomplishment, but years forward, you're definitely going to see them still be there. And there, there's a chance, like, you know, there's a chance where I think in, in the faction, they're competing with each other. But who's going to become the biggest person? Because in the end, WWE can't keep all of them. There's going to be a day where there's going to be spring cleaning, and they're going to say, oh, we need to take out some unnecessary weight. And then what's going to happen? They're going to take out the guys that are the weakest people that they feel in the faction. In your and, opinion, if they do that with the new day, who would be I was actually player? thinking about that because uh, if you look at the main roster, the New Day is, I think, the longest running faction right now because I think they started in what? November 2014, I think. Yeah. Years ago, almost. They're the kind of team that it's like they reinvent themselves, like. It's funny because they started out as this like group of you know white meat babyfaces that were that were like positive and just no one bought the gimmick so they all turned on it and then they became like then they became yeah then they became like obnoxious heels but then Mm -hmm. they became so funny that people started loving them and and now they're like the most over like one of the most over acts right now on the main roster. So it's like because they reinvented themselves, they got longevity out of their gimmicks. So now it feels like they could team up for another two years, and it won't even feel like, man, these guys are still together. Like, are they going to do anything with them? Like, they could dominate the tag team division right now because the, the team is pretty much open to that. But, you know, I'm always thinking, like, poor Kofi Kingston. Like, he, was, he, he had a really good 2009. He got a push towards the world title, and then he kind of just went back into obscurity. And I think the New Day kind of, like, helped uh, smooth things over. But sometimes I wonder, like, is he ever going to, like, be on the top of the card? Biggie shows potential, but I feel like he's stuck in, like, the tag team division. I don't know if he's ever going to branch out. Xavier Woods kind of lucked out with the New Day because it, it actually made him, you know, what he is today. Because, you know, he just kind of just appeared on the main roster suddenly with, like, the mustache and, like, Kind of feeding with JBL. I don't know where that was going, but I think Xavier. There was a time where I didn't think he was gonna exceed like Consequences Creed from TNA, and he went above and beyond. Because now, if you look at it, he's actually got a personality. Now he's this guy with the YouTube channel, this and that, you know. Because it's, I think, if it wasn't for the New Day, we wouldn't have gotten the Xavier Woods we have today. But I just don't. I don't know where the future is going for him. That's that's my only concern. Well, that's for sure. They're all elevated right now. Everybody's on the same level. And that's why I think is the key right now, what WWE's trying to do, is to have all these people, instead of one person breaking out, another person breaking out, have all three of them on the same level. Like, going back to what Sal said, just say they do break up the new day, do spring cleaning, who would be the one that they cut? Xavier? I doubt it. 
because he has so much. Uh, they have the thing with him being a PhD uh, graduate, and you know that he is a you know he has his channel and everything. And yeah, like, Kofi is talented. Yeah, he is Vince's wet dream. I think I would. I, I, I don't know if it would be a popular decision. I'd probably get rid of Kofi because he's been around for so long. I feel like he's already done everything there is he kind of could do. Like, he's feuded for a world title before. He's been in the tag team division for the longest time. He's been intercontinental champion. Um, Big E still hasn't had that, like, career moment yet. Xavier Woods is kind of still developing. You know, he's just started to get his own character. Um, so I would probably get rid of Kofi. But that's not to say because he's a bad wrestler by any means. He's, he's completely he's he's completely awesome. But um, if I was faced it? with that kind of situation and I had to get rid of one, he would be the one I would get rid of. If you think about it, he goes to another company. He'll be the biggest thing. He could be another Drew Galloway. Well, he is a big mid Carter. I mean, that's the I think that's the thing that's uh, holding him back is that he's labeled as the mid Carter. They what they need to do is. Get one of these New Day members some kind of uh, push into the world title picture. Because you also got to take into account WWE has this diversity issue with the championship picture. They have the Latino champion, they have the, Jap- the Samoan champion, but they don't have a black champion or African American champion. They don't. Actually, they do, though, because they're, they're tag team champions and they're, you know. No, he means like heavyweight title. Like the heavyweight the title. Yeah. I'm talking about like main the title. Yeah, because if you, if you look back, people say, "Oh, The Rock," but he's half black, half Samoan. People will make that distinguishment. And there was also there's also been a lot of uh, um, uh, controversy about this issue because there's been times where WWE has been labeled uh, racist, racist in some oh. ways. Because look at Bobby Lashley, for example. He's in TNA doing big things, doing his stuff, and why didn't they push him? And their excuse is, "Oh, he just didn't have it." Or was it something? He was else? the whole package back then. He just didn't talk. And he had the he had the push too. He was about to become the next Brock Lesnar and Goldberg uh, mix. But what happened? They ended up just dropping him. And I think that's another issue that they're having. But with the new day, they have a lot of potential. They they have that. And, and if you go to Ring of Honor, Jay Lethal, the guy for what going on over a year now. Yeah. I think yeah. So. You would hear on here on first on uh, RSN podcast. I think Jay Lethal is going to be the first WWE Black WWE champion if he decides to sign, which I don't think he will. Or unless Apollo Cruz gets pushed, unless he gets there first. I don't, I don't know because I'm a little conflicted with Apollo because I I, feel I don't see Apollo was, being like more he, than a mid card. Yeah, I, I feel like he was pushed better on NXT than he is on the main roster. I don't I don't. I don't. I've still yet to see that moment where I go. That's Apollo Cruz. I mean, that's that's the guy. You know, I, I haven't really had that moment. I, I don't see him getting past the big card. Motivations either. I don't. I don't know what he's all about. I, yeah, he's here to be a champion. Why so is everyone. Everyone, everyone. Yeah, everyone there is there to be a champion. For well, God's sake, what's, sakes, what's Eva, so special about him? You know, for God's really... sakes, Eva Marie is there to be the women's champion. No. <laughs> God. Hey, couldn't, everyone, we, couldn't we go 60 minutes without mentioning that name? Oh, God. Everyone is, yeah, is there to be I a champion, right? I just ate dinner. I, I would like to keep it down. Isn't everyone there to be a champion, though? Yeah, but well, she doesn't count. She's not real. 
She isn't. She's like uh she's like uh Voldemort. You don't speak her name. It's like thou shalt not speak her name. It's like Alright, so who's equally as bad but we can't say the name? Alright, Blake Murphy. Buddy Murphy is there to be the NXT champion. Well, I don't see that happening. But he's there there to be a champion, right? Well, I would say everyone's there to be a champion, but we just not her. Alright, so just skip over that name. I can't. You mentioned it. Now it's like in my mind. It's it's like it's like it's like a taper. It's like Kane when you say May nineteenth, him you can't say it. It's like May nineteenth, May nineteenth, May nineteenth, May nineteenth, and we're in the yellow shirt that says May nineteenth on it. Of course, it's not a word. But uh, I mean, let's. I guess we can say that you know we talk about the best factions, the worst factions. I want to ask you guys, what do you guys think is the your favorite faction in all time? Favorite faction of all time. I'll start with you, Rich, the big guy. Well, everyone knows if you watch shows, you know my favorite faction is the Bullet Club. Just for the fact that they're awesome. But if I had to pick one faction that always stuck out to me, the Wolf Pack. NWO, the red one? Red and black attack. Uh, so it's just the theme song. I mean, I, I just keep hearing that it was the miniature version of the big NWO. So, I mean, you know, what I would, uh, my favorite choice would have been the NWO because right now they're the, like, the leading sale in merchandise because everybody, you know, everybody, they buy the NWO shirt or the NWO sweatshirt and they want to wear it and it looks cool. Even now, like, people will walk, and then I was like, I'm wearing my NWO sweatshirt, and there's people who come to me like, hey, how old are you? I'm 20. Oh, oh, okay, cool. And they throw up the, the what you call it, the um, Turkish wolf, and they start doing a click. And I'm like, oh, cool, that's dope. Like, you know, it's it, they left, they left like, an in- influential impact. Whether it's NWO, the red one, you know. You can no talk matter about what, you wear an NWO and shirt, and you're, getting, you're getting too sweeted. Yep. No matter what. Every, you're definitely going to get sweeted by the, you know, the, the, the corner store guy. You're going to get too sweeted by the mailman, the the mom across the street, the grandma that's in the supermarket. Uh, I don't know about the mom because moms are against wrestling. Oh, that's true. M-A-W, moms against wrestling. Which ironically spells out Ma. Ma. And it's, I say probably they're the worst faction right now because it's kind of like when you throw your kid, when your kid falls into a gorilla pit, and then you blame the gorilla for it when clearly there's like 50 people yelling at the gorilla and they kill the gorilla. And then they blame the gorilla for it, but it's actually the mother's fault because the son fell five feet. No, was it five feet? I don't know. And not even that. The mom was sitting there videoing. Mommy loves you. Mommy loves you. Like, bitch, do something. If you're a real mom, you would jump. You would get your ass down there, get your fucking baby out, and say, fuck you, gorilla, and get the fuck out of there. But she's just saying, exactly. mom, oh, mom loves you. Oh, mom loves you. Yeah. You know? All right. Nick, what would you say is your favorite faction? Um, you already took NWO. Um, Damn it. I would say left with what I got. Um, based on the success, uh, the dominance factor, um, I'm, I was stuck between two of them, um, but because one was more successful than the other, 
Uh, originally, I, w I was gonna, actually going to say La Familia because I think that propelled Edge to, you know... Um, that's not a bad pick, though. That's a very good That's pick. not my pick, though. But that, that was going to be my pick because I, I think it, it kind of helped Edge like, propel himself to like superstardom on, an, on the SmackDown brand, which is kind of a benefit of a brand split. But actually, my pick would be Evolution because... That's not a bad pick either. Yeah, Evolu Evolution, if you look at it, is, is brilliant because you had Triple H, who's like the dominant heel if you think champion. about it, it was the you past, had, yeah. the future, and mm -hmm. two currents. Yeah, and then you had Ric Flair, who was like uh, kind of like a great like heel enforcer, sort of-ish. Like kind of what he's doing right now with Charlotte, but just, you know, 10 years ago, and he's... Uh, a lot more active and sweaty. Um, last, and bloody. And bloody, yeah. Because he, he, uh, the wind will blow and he'll be gushing blood. He wakes up just, in the morning, blood. <laughs> that, that, that's just what Ric Flair does. He goes into the shower, and he's bleeding. He breakfasts, and he's bleeding. That's not catch up on his eggs. That's how it goes. Um, but I, I think evolution... Um, Help also propel the careers of Batista and Orton because they got mean, separate pushes themselves. You mean and they feuded with Triple H. You mean Bautista? Well, that, that, that was before the days of Bautista when Batista actually, like, you know, he he wasn't a, a guy like, oh, please, please like me because I wear tight jeans and tank yep. tops and, and sunglasses. Please like me. He was just an all-out badass who, like, didn't care what people thought. And that's, you don't like that's me, the way you bomb. book That's the way you book him. I mean, the way they did it in Evolution was perfect. You don't like me, would... I'll just Batista bomb you. Yeah, well, he, the, he would... classic thumbs up, thumbs down. Boom. That's yeah. down. That was great. The thumbs yeah, that up, thumbs that, down. yeah, that gave us like probably one of the best... Um, I don't, I don't well, I'd say one of the best turns in history. Because he had the whole, you know, you're thinking like Triple H is going to mentor Orton and this and that. And he gives the thumbs up and then boom, thumbs down, heel beat down. That kind of helped propel Orton at first, <laughs> even though he didn't stick as a face. And then didn't it Batista like, do that himself to Triple H? Yeah. Ironically enough, it didn't work as good for Orton, but they got to do it with Batista and that's when they got it to click. But like I said, it, it helped Orton and Batista get over, and I don't think they would have had the careers that they did if they were, you know, kind of under Triple H's wing in the evolution. I don't know if the kind of thing happened off the screen, but on the screen, you know, worked out pretty well. And obviously in the long run, you know, we're still talking about these guys right now. You know, Batista's not around, but he was around for a pr pretty damn long while. Uh, Triple H, you know, Still there. He's always kind of yeah. He's always kind of going to be in that role, and he got he's, to flourish in that role. Rick Flair, even though Triple you know. H isn't on screen, he's still there. He's doing yeah. something with the company. Exactly. Well, he's married to the boss's daughter. You know, that's that's I think a consequence of being in the business for that long. But uh, matter of fact, talking about so, we, have, we haven't mentioned two factions actually. So you still have to pick your faction. Well, actually, I did. I picked uh, NWO. Okay. But I was going to say, we haven't talked about two factions specifically. The Click and the Bone Street Crew. So let me just ask you straight off the bat. Well, I don't think those are actual factions. I think those are oh. backstage groups. Yeah, I wouldn't consider them actual factions. They were, yeah, 
I would say in the realm of storylines, because now they refer to them as a faction because, you know, they obviously they broke the fourth wall and this and that, but they weren't acknowledged as a faction at the time, so I wouldn't I wouldn't put them under the same scale as these other, you know, factions who obviously they revolve storylines around, you know, it's a lot different. I think those are just like considered backstage groups that just hung out together and traveled together. Well, those were the two that were the most uh, portrayed in the media. So, like, those, there were probably, like, 10,000 uh, factions over the time of the course of WWE, but probably those are two, like, uh, ones that get the most recognition. But, um, I mean, I've heard that there's, like, a lot of backstage heat. Oh, they hate, they hate each other, those two groups. No, there was, well, that's how the, that's how the internet says it, but that when they're going on uh, line, they say, oh, that's not how it is. They just, you know... They no, no, Taker said they hate each other. And if you watch the click rules on the WWE Network, they said that those two groups could not stand each other. They couldn't even be near each other. Really? I saw I saw it recently. They were saying that they, were, they had some kind of uh, thing, but then the internet kind of played it out. But from what I'm hearing, they said that there was definitely some kind of heat, but it was the, like maybe competitive level. But nonetheless, I mean, that's, that's true that whether it's backstage or in the ring, like, there is some kind of competition. And I think that's what helps the whole brand as a whole, and especially now with the brand split. Do you guys feel like there's going to be any other more factions that we're going to see? We're still going to see factions, but they're not going to be as big as they were. Well, with the brand split, I mean, they have so many different people. So, you know, they can't obviously, you know, with the two hours on SmackDown and three hours on Raw, they really can't fit uh, that many people into those matches. So, I mean, you know, it's, it seems like the only way they can do it is just by having some kind of faction. Because if you think about it, people left already. Adam Rose, obviously. Uh, Cody Rhodes. Damian Sandow. They all left. And they all left. I think Adam Rhodes for a second. I was like, what? Well, well, he's basically know. done. Well, he, he kind of messed his whole situation up. First, he got uh, the violation and then said, oh, something about Adderall. He's like, oh, I had a legal thing for Adderall. And then David was no, because if you watch the E60, he even said that he has to take meds for his ADHD. Yeah, I, I think I remember that, too. And it said Everyone that he, knows he has it. He does, I think, yeah. And I think that's what's limiting him. But then also on top of that, he choked his wife. And that's a domestic abuse thing, and WWE is against that. that. They're totally against that. But I mean, nonetheless, you see these people, and it's kind of sad the way they fall off. But also, there's some people that that, that you see that are on the same level. But we can probably agree all three of us that factions. Uh, it's better to have them all on the same level, as opposed to just some people falling off. Because if you look at the Click, for example, there was a period where Scott Hall, X-Pac. And Shawn Michaels were all in the low, you know, down position in their life. Like, there were drugs and all this stuff. And now they're all together in the same level. And I think that's a good thing as fans to see that this group is all together and, they're, you know, everybody's okay, they're good. And that's, I think, what we all want. Oh, guys, before we go, I have one last question for all three of us. If any company, if you could break up one faction, who would it be in any company? Right now? Yeah. Well, there's not that many factions out there now, are there? There's a decent amount. 
Well, I know I know one faction that needs to break up. Uh, you know the uh in Tina they have the thing with uh Hurricane Helms and his little group there. I kind of like that though. The Helms Dynasty, I like that one. They got to take that out, I think. Because they got this old guy just walking around with these two people. It's like, come on, man. Like, you know, just just have them do the whole thing. I know... Um, it's helping them get over, though. I'm about to Sort of. I guess I kind of see what you're saying, but I think I think there, there's going to be more people joining it. I think it's still yet to develop. But I like the idea of, of a veteran, you know, throwing these young guys under his wing and kind of having them be rule breakers. I think it's got a lot of potential. I, and I don't think they've established that, you know, that's everyone in the group just yet. I don't see a lot of, like, longevity with it, but for, yeah. like, a short-term storyline, I think I think it's really good, actually. I feel like eventually they're going to break off Hurricane Helms, and that's it. They're just going to, you know, end up... But they have potential. I know that for sure. Those two guys, they definitely have some potential. Oh, yeah, definitely. I Andrew Everett love, and Trevor Lee have potential yeah. to be great X-Division guys. I, I freaking love Decay, though. I love them. They're yeah. great. Mm-hmm. And what now that you? Crazy Steve talks and Abyss took his mask off, it's even better. It's so beautiful. <laughs> TNA is turning the direction around. but Nick, who would you say? Which faction would you break off? Um, out of who's around right now, um, it's, it's tricky because there's not really any groups out there who kind of like have a stronghold. Um, it's tricky because I'm not a fan of the current incarnation of the Bullet Club. I don't know. I'm, I'm just not convinced. Uh, obviously, they're going to have their long, you know, they're going to have their... Um, their popularity, but I can't look at the group not as a as a as a rehash of what you know the NWO was. It just feels not like, even that. The fact let's go back to the 1990s and just relive those days. Let's do the exact same like, thing they were doing. Like that's it, my it's pick. not original to me. That's I, my I, pick also, just for the fact Gallus is gone, Anderson's gone. Exactly. Yeah, the, the the meat of the group is is in WWE now. Even though they can't really use the name Bullet Club, they pretty much are kind of doing what they got, you know, notarized for in Japan. So, and then you kind of left with the leftovers in Ring of Honor, even though they tried to like, you know, have this this um this oh my god shock moment at the end of. Uh, that show, uh, Global Wars, it, it just didn't have that effect for me. Even though I do like Adam Cole as a group leader, but I, I think you gotta let the guy shine on his own. He's always some. He's always got to be involved with a faction. He doesn't. He doesn't need to be in a faction. Just let the guy develop he on talk. his own. He, he, he's, he could be his own star by himself. He, he doesn't need like. The guy uh, could talk. The guy yeah, could fight. The guy could wrestle. Just, just let him be himself. Just, just stop putting him with the group because it's, it's annoying. He's not going to get the chance to break out like he should be, which is ironic because he's been in the company for, I think, five years now. He's been wrestling for over ten. He's been wrestling for over ten, and he's had a presence in Ring of Honor for the longest time. But I, I've still yet to see like the moment where he's actually, like, even though he's been a world champion, I, I've still yet to see a moment where I can look at it and be like, that's that's Adam Cole's breakthrough moment. I, I still uh, I, I still don't have that moment. Even though I know the guy can talk, I know the guy is way over with the crowd. 
I know he could wrestle, put on really awesome matches. I'm, I'm, I'm just not, you know, I'm not seeing what I want to see. Although I'm, I'm sure maybe he'll probably end up in, in uh, NXT maybe like next year or the year after that. Yeah, I give him like a year. NXT here, right there. now is is uh, like kind of like a blend of indie stars and and TNA from last year, and then the main roster is NXT from last year. So things are kind of progressing for both places, but you know, um, I would. The only true shining stars right now, I would say, in the Bullet Club are the Young Bucks because they they have that personality to pull and off. And Omega. Yeah. Oh, I, I like Omega too. Sometimes I think he's a bit over the top, but I I think you kind of have to have that if you're going for uh, what the Bullet Club is all about. But outside of those guys, I'm you know I'm not really. There's not no really one there besides it. Cole. You, and you needed you needed the the loud mouth like heel like styles is you know starting to become and then you got gallows and anderson who are like the muscles of the group and then i'm, I'm sure eventually you know finn balor will, will cross paths with them because you kind of just you have to have that storyline because of what happened in japan they reference it so often you know but that's up to creative i don't know i don't know if they're going to go that route finn balor's a star big enough to be on his own if they want to push them that way they could throw them with this faction if they want to he was once the leader there. They could have a, a feud with Styles and Balor over that leadership. Um, there's plenty of reps they could go. But, you know, as far as the leftovers, because it's funny, because the company that doesn't have the, the rights to the group name is doing better things than the company who actually has the group name. So go figure. I mean, if you take into account uh, the group of, of the elite, the elite, I think what they're doing is just they're just trying to parody off of what the New Day is doing, and I mean it's it's cool for the casual internet fan, like you know to see oh they're calling each other out, but then it's like come on man like you know this this has to stop at some point, and they, they gotta progress from this Bullet Club thing because it's pretty much just cut and done. WWE took the main players and now they're running with it. So what are you gonna do now? That's their main step now, and that's kind of hard to do you know. But if you don't have all the members, what can you really do? Look at, for example, flashback to uh, 2011 when it was a Royal Rumble and the main event mafia supposedly was about to return. Two, three stars were taken. WWE was about to have them for uh, Royal Rumble. Totally derailed their plans, and then TNA had to suffer due to that. So that's another thing we can say, you know. Without the faction, they need to be key members. But nonetheless, I guess we can wrap up the factions podcast. We talked about the best factions, the worst factions. The factions that made a difference, the factions that were not. Have insane. I have I mentioned that the core really sucked? Yeah, I think you might have, but just repeat it one more time so everyone remembers. The core, they they really sucked, man. Oh my god, worst. Least favorite. Least, uh, they were basically a Nexus 2.0, and then they they're trying to make they're going for that, but it totally just derailed and didn't make any sense. Now they don't even work, like. You know, uh, re- reference it or anything, but if you guys, if the fans don't get one thing out of this show, just remember, the core sucked. The core did suck, and just know that even Marie sucks. Kevin Dunn sucks, and stop mentioning her name. Oh my God, I said her, her name. Shit, it's fucked up. It's like but... the Baltimore of pro wrestling. Why go there? 
I don't know why she's we not really. Lots of, we have lots of dedicated listeners who are trying to keep their food down. We don't need people vomiting all over the place. It, it, it's not a good look for us. As we were speaking, I bet people are. So I kind of regret that now. Oh, shit. But nonetheless, let's end off. Uh, this is the RSN Wrestling Podcast. Enjoy with us right here as we talk about the person's name we can't say, but we just said. Um, nonetheless, you can check us out on PWO for yeah. Wrestling Opinion. And also check out our YouTube page, our Facebook pages, and all of those stuff. Oh, we'll see you out. This is a mastermind. This is the big guy. And this is the COO. Just reminding you one more time, because I love shameless plugs. You can check out Pro Wrestling Opinion at ProWrestlingOpinion.com. We offer in-depth analysis, segment-by-segment breakdown, everything from WWE, TNA, Pro Wrestling Syndicate, America's Most Like Wrestling, West Coast Wrestling Connection, anything in between and the out-between. I don't even know if that between's a word, but we're gonna roll with it because we are we cover pro wrestling past and present. And for all of our dedicated listeners out there, we thank you very much. Feel free to check out our other episodes. We're cranking up on the views, so help us out any way possible. If got any comments, suggestions, throw them out. We'll consider it. And just remember, the core sucks. And the core, yeah, they really suck, man. We'll see you guys out.